The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south, the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here and now at Marsh Chapel, where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country and beyond, we gather for ordered worship. Liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered for our present congregation and also for our watching and listening virtual congregation around the globe. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. This is our annual Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday service, and it brings us great pride to welcome our guest preacher for the day, the Reverend Mr. Andrew Kimball, our friend and neighbor from the School of Theology who works there in stewardship and who works there in online education, who works there in diversity, equity, and inclusion, whom we've known for a long time. His presence reminds us of other voices from this pulpit going back almost two decades upon this Sunday. The voices of Peter Paris, of Bobby McLean, of Christopher Edwards, of Walter Fluker, of Jen Quigley and Liz Douglas and Karen Coleman, of Dale Andrews, of blessed memory, and of others representing the shared tradition on other dates, such as Gil Caldwell, Deval Patrick, Cornell, William Brooks, and also a blessed memory, Peter Gomes. It brings a warmth to the heart to be here together. May we remind you that, as is our custom, tomorrow at noon, from noon until 1.30, there is a special annual program next door in the Student Union, which Marsh Chapel happily supports. We encourage your presence there as now in worship. We're grateful to see you. As we gather, may we stand as we are able in the praise of God.
may we pray together. Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, we begin each Lord's Day and each service of worship upon this Sabbath day with a pause, a moment of prayer in contrition, in compunction, in lament, and in confession, recognizing that we are so utterly human, fragile, mortal, prone to harm others. So we await to begin this new season, this new week, this new Lord's Day, for a sense of God's pardon and peace as the choir guides us in our Kyrie. Lord, have mercy upon us. Let us pray. pulses of desire, thy coolness and thy balm. Let sense be dumb, let flesh retire, speak through the earthquake, wind and fire, thou still small voice of calm. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess, with the, confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the first book of Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli. And Samuel said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. 
And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. 
The body is meant not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Should I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one with the body of her? For it is said, the two shall be one flesh. But anyone united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun fornication. Every sin that a person commits is outside the body. But the fornicator sins against the body itself. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 139 with the Antiphon. Searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even the four words on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes behind unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Good morning. I am so honored to be with you on this occasion. My sincere thanks to the Dean of Marsh Chapel, Dean Robert Hill, who I've come to know over the years as a patient teacher and a wonderful friend, and to our chaplains, uh, Jess, Karen, Jonathan, uh, the musicians, the choir, administrators, and members, peace be with you. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, ever-present Holy Spirit, bless us now through your preached word. Amen. On momentous days like this, we are reminded of our place in human history. On days like this, we are reminded that we stand somewhere within a delicate display of teamwork spanning many generations. On days like this, we are reminded of whose shoulders we stand on, and like a human pyramid, we are standing on someone's shoulders who stands on someone else's shoulders, each tier a generation of love-centered agents for social change. A human pyramid, like most acrobatic formations, is a delicate display of teamwork because the formation itself must be agreed upon. The people consisting of each tier must know their place and purpose, and each person Each tier must lend themselves totally and completely until a shape is made. On this second Epiphany Sunday, the eve of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we might say the structure we're aiming to build isn't a human pyramid, but the beloved community, Dr. King's global vision in which all people can share in the wealth of the earth. After all, in the beginning, that's how it was intended to be, harmony, right relations between persons and things, an awareness that creation's marvels and wonders ought to be available to everyone. There are dimensions to Dr. King's vision of the beloved community. Most are familiar with the political, social, and economic dimensions. Martin, the radical egalitarian, advocating for desegregation and equal voting rights, articulating the economic plight of the poor, and not just articulating, but acting in solidarity with them. Let us recall that during Martin's lifetime, Jim Crow policies drastically divided the American experience by reinforcing a racial caste system in which some people retained full human rights and some were deprived and some were more than deprived. They were devastated, bruised, battered, scarred, and defeated. Racism plagued the nation with disparities from city to city, town to town, from north to south, east to west. 
anybody concerned with building the beloved community in those days sought to overturn these disparities through political, social, and economic remedies. However, this morning, I'd like to focus on the beloved community's spiritual dimension. Yes, the spiritual dimension by exploring the spirituality underlying Dr. King's commitment to helping the country and society become more equitable. Builders of the beloved community remembered a simple truth which produced spiritual power in their struggles for justice. That is, they too are children of God. And that's why I'm so glad this morning that today's psalm is Psalm 139, because it invites us to explore the beloved community's spiritual dimension. A quiet confidence emerges for those who feel at their core the opening verses, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. There's tremendous security in knowing the creator of the heavens and the earth, the skies and seas and everything between also created us and broods over us. Psalm 139 expresses a sensitive understanding of our human situation. With everything happening in this vast, expansive universe, the creator knows our personal story. She doesn't just know our story, she cares about it. She doesn't just care about it, she co-authors it, which confirms for us the days of our lives follow a narrative arc that we bend together with the divine and each other. To believe this, to harness this, is to understand why each of us, in our own unique way, is called to become a love-centered agent for social change. And such a calling isn't a solo mission. Accepting this call means becoming a co-creator with the divine in one's community because it is true. God created the universe, but we are the makers of our world, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Without the earth, sun, and atmosphere, without the raw material of nature, human existence and creativity would be impossible. Therefore, any human activity can be viewed as co-creating with the divine. And since we exist and create in society, we create with the divine, yes, and also each other. We are inscribing the pages of our lives alone. Everything happens in community. Now, this all might sound obvious, I know, but on days like this, we must remind ourselves of our great responsibility to take this seriously. Sometimes we navigate life, sometimes we navigate difficult situations with the impulse to minimize our liability by looking away playing dumb or litigating a defense of how we have nothing to do with what's happening over there. As Martin wrote in 1963 from the Birmingham jail, we are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be where you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This is the interrelated structure of reality. As a minister of the gospel, I imagine Martin was well acquainted with Psalm 139. That's right. Out of an authentic, immediate relationship with the one true and living spirit sprang an ethical leader whose primary concerns were grounded in an unmistakable feeling that the creator of the universe knew him personally. And this sentiment, this sentiment guided the many generations of freedom fighters who struggled for love, justice, and peace over the centuries. The psalmist says, even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Deep, Deep within, these freedom fighters knew they were children of God, despite how the American caste system displaced them. Isabel Wilkerson, a leading researcher on caste systems, believes 
this country is finally reckoning with the consequence of 12 generations being subjected to slavery. Wilkerson says on those rice, tobacco, and cotton plantations, there were opera singers, jazz musicians, playwrights, novelists, surgeons, architects, engineers. We know that because that is what their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren have chosen to become once they had a chance to choose for themselves what they would do with their God-given talent. Oh, Lord, on this day, we give thanks for the shoulders upon which we stand. Harriet Tubman, Ella Baker, Mary McLeod Bethune, George Washington Carver, Crispus Attucks, Jackie Robinson, Pauli Murray, Rosa Parks, Ozzie Davis, and Ruby Dee, W.B. Du Bois, Paul Robeson, Muhammad Ali, Ma Rainey, Bessie Smith, Sarah Vaughn, James Weldon Johnson, Gordon Parks, Sojourner Truth, Howard Thurman. On these shoulders we stand. Jarena Lee, Medgar Evers, Booker T. Washington, Vincent Harding, Marian Anderson, Aretha Franklin, Billie Holiday, Della Reese, Nina Simone, Alice and John Coltrane, James Baldwin, Jack Johnson, Maya Angelou, June Jordan, Toni Morrison, Jesse Owens, Romare Bearden, Jacob Lawrence, Alvin Ailey, Madam C.J. Walker, Ida B. Wells, Malcolm X, Little Richard, Nellie Francis, Sarah and Richard Allen, Ray Charles, Josephine Baker, Thurgood Marshall, Phyllis Wheatley, John Lewis, Lorraine Hansberry, Mae Jameson, Ernest Just, Patricia Bath, Shirley Chisholm, Muddy Waters, Mahalia Jackson. On these shoulders, we stand. You see, as children of God, never mind the epithets. Coon, Jigaboo, Jungle Bunny, Spook, Spade, and a word I'd rather not say. We found new names like Satchmo, Jelly Roll, and Bird, Homegirl, Homeboy, My Sister, My Brother. An artist once said, I call my brother son because he shines like one. That's spiritual work if you ask me. And that's why on the West Coast we say, what's up, dog? And on the East Coast, yo, son, as forms of endearment, cultural intimacy, and unity. Oh, Lord, on this day we give thanks for those whose names we never knew, the butlers, barbers, and midwives, the waiters, cooks, and servants, the Pullman porters, bricklayers, and dressmakers, the miners, blacksmiths, and school teachers. The quiet confidence of these everyday people represent beautiful portraits of courage. And there's one portrait I'd like to share with you this morning. It's the account of Mother Pollard. Does anyone here remember Mother Pollard, that faithful member of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church where our brother Martin pastored from 1954 to 1960? A resident of Montgomery, Alabama, Mother Pollard, as they affectionately called her, participated in the Montgomery bus boycott as an elderly woman who, like many others, relied on the bus as her only means of transportation besides walking. During the boycott, people walked to school, walked to the grocery store, walked to the laundromat, walked to church. Keep in mind, the boycott wasn't just a week or month long. It lasted 381 days. Mother Pollard did not come to BU. She did not study or earn a graduate or professional degree in theological studies, political science, or sociology. But she expertly grasped the meaning of her era's liberation project, the Civil Rights Movement. In Dr. King's 1964 book, The Strength to Love, he introduces Mother Pollard by telling us, after having walked for several weeks, she was asked if she was tired. With ungrammatical profundity, Martin writes, 
She answered, my feet is tired, but my soul is rested. My feet is tired, but my soul is rested. How? How does she do it? How does she maintain a rested soul despite having tired feet? Today's psalm offers a clue. Knowledge of God is local, nearer to us than breathing, and is tremendously useful in resisting fear, deception, and hatred. Just recently, we, you and I, walked through a pandemic, a global crisis with disproportionate suffering in lower-income communities. We have walked in affirmation of black lives. We've walked in support of women's reproductive autonomy. We've walked advocating for LGBTQIA rights. And even now, we are walking in protest of organized violence against innocent and oppressed people all over the world. As modern builders of the beloved community, your feet must be tired, for you have walked and are walking a long, long way. Mother Pollard's gift to us today is the wisdom in recognizing that the first step to becoming strong is acknowledging our weakness and limitations and need for rest. Even the psalmist expressed her limitations. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, so high I cannot attain it. Mother Pollard understood that her feet would get tired during the bus boycott, that the same long days preceding her might follow her, But she had her community and knew her path was illumined by Jesus, the everlasting light, the light of the world who shines eternally and is present in movements for love, justice, and peace. The psalmist says, for it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book was written all the days of my life when none of them yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I tried to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. After a church meeting one night, Mother Pollard approached the pastor, Martin, and said, come here, son. Something is wrong with you. You didn't talk strong tonight. Off guard, Martin responded, oh, no, Mother Pollard. Nothing is wrong. I'm feeling fine as ever. But her insight penetrated his facade. She replied, now, you can't fool me. I know something is wrong. Is it that we ain't doing things to please you? Or is it that those folks is bothering you? Before Martin could say a word, she looked directly into his eyes and said, I done told you we is with you all the way. But even if we ain't with you, God's going to take care of you. God's going to take care of you. Martin writes, as she spoke these consoling words, everything in me quivered and quickened with the pulsing tremor of raw energy. God's going to take care of you. Over the next 12 years, when the storms of life raged, Martin remembered her promise. It didn't make him invincible, no, but he remained undefeated. And that's my prayer today, that we, all of us, preserve the fresh mood of Psalm 139, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me, a confessional statement expressing awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence in us and around us, operating with us and for us as we build the beloved community. Now, what would we say to those who call the beloved community a utopia and therefore an illusion which distracts people from doing something about anything? We'll tell them, until we attain it, the beloved community essentially is a set of guiding principles providing a moral compass a moral compass that brought us this far. Just look around at how far we've come. So be inspired by how far there is to go. Because we will get there. 
together we will get there. Amen.
Howard Thurman said, prayer may be the cry of the heart in despair or in anguish. It may be an exaltation growing out of an overwhelming sense of the joy and the hailness and the beauty and the wonder of life. He said, but to me, the great miracle of prayer is the fact that it's possible for the human spirit to have a sense of being in the presence of its God. Now let us come together to feel the presence of God in prayer. You are welcome to stand, remain seated, or come forward to kneel at the altar rail. Now let us sing together hymn 473, Lead Me, Lord. take a break from the busyness and noisiness of our lives to bow before you in prayer. We take comfort in knowing that you hem us in, behind, and before. We are thankful that your steadfast goodness and mercy follow us through our lives. We accept your hand upon us, comforted by your presence, for you lead us to the refuge of still waters and restore our souls. Though we are anxious because of the developments in the world, we are fearless because you are beside us. For your faithful presence, we give you thanks and praise. As we praise you, we urgently seek your help. In the midst of 24-7 media, with information and misinformation, we pray that we stay attuned to you, God, so that when you call, our response is speak for your servant is listening. Help us to hear your word and patiently follow your guide to live in the most excellent way. In a world where people are afraid to practice their faith or go to their house of worship, we pray for peace. When our attitudes and actions toward others are influenced by our unconscious bias against a person or group because of their gender, race, faith, sexual orientation, political affiliation, or country of birth, we pray for self-awareness and self-improvement. Deliver us from the evil of personal sins committed consciously against a person or group because of their differentness. Heal our hearts so that we approach others as works of your hand, wonderfully and fearfully made. Forgive us, Lord. Walk beside us and help us to stay on course in our Christian journey following your direction. Comfort the sick and those with broken lives and broken hearts. Take the worry from our minds, merciful Father. When we fear what lies ahead, help us to remember that you are our companion through the difficult times. Help us to keep our mind focused on you, to wait for you, Lord, for you alone are our help and shield. As a faithful people, we bring our concerns to you, confident that you will hear our prayers, you will answer our prayers, and that your promises will be fulfilled. We pray these things in the name of the Son of Man. Amen. And now, as a community of faith, we pray his prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We now enter the time of worship set aside to bring our offerings and tithes to God. Freely you have received, so freely give. Let us return to God the offerings of our life and the gifts of the earth.
pray. O Heavenly Father, maker of all things, we thank you for your perfect mercy and love. Would you graciously receive the things we have brought before you, the proof of our talents and works, things both visible and invisible, and those joys and burdens that we carry throughout the day. As we go out into the world, may our words and actions reflect your abundance that provides enough for everyone. Through the one who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Knowledge of God is local, nearer to us than breathing, and is calling us, pushing us, sometimes dragging us to become love-centered agents for social change. As you go forth from this place, but never from God's presence, may the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you, may the Lord's countenance be upon you and bring you everlasting peace. Amen.
very intuitive. Yes. Um, and it's like, Yeah. 